Hi everyone, and welcome to the promo, or the trailer, or whatever you want to call it, for the first season of Persuasion in High Finance. I'm going to touch on what this season is about, and what we're going to cover in a minute. Sit back, relax, and welcome to Persuasion in High Finance. So before talking about the content, I just want to mention that I'm going to do something a little bit crazy. This is going to be the first season of not one podcast, but two different ones. What I mean is that, so my specializations as a coach, as a trainer, are persuasion and finance. So a lot about the finance world, hedge funds, banking, and other areas, and at the same time, persuasion. So what I am doing is I'm creating a different podcast for each of these niches. So the persuasion one is called the superior persuader, and the finance one is called high finance, high performance. And what I wanted to do is to create a first season, which is for both podcasts, and which touches on both. But after this first season, each one is going to take a life of its own, hopefully. So this season is all going to be about negotiation, sales, and persuasion in the high finance world. We are going to have five episodes with five different persuasion tools in five different situations. And we're going to cover these in a minute. Before we proceed though, I want to just mention in 10 seconds that I have multiple video courses on any topic that we probably cover on this podcast. And this is not an exaggeration. Persuasion, negotiation, sales, career assessments, private equity, hedge funds, I probably have a course on it. So check the podcast description for some recommendations of my courses that cover this content. And also, I actually work as an executive coach and trainer. So if you are interested in such a service, go to coachingbooking.com to find my booking page, but also testimonials from a lot of very happy executives. And that's it. My plug is done. Without further ado, let's talk about the tools and the situations that we're going to cover. So this season is all going to be about selling, negotiating, and persuading in different areas of the finance world. We are going to cover five different persuasion techniques for five different situations. And what's going to happen is they're going to stack. So in the first episode, we're going to have one tool for one situation. In the second episode, we're going to have two tools for two situations each. So that's why we only have five episodes, because this is growing very quickly. It's a multiplication, right? Polynomial growth. If you're a math kind of person or an algorithm kind of person, I have a CS background, so I kind of think of both. But anyways, I digress. So let me start with the different situations, five distinct situations in high finance. The first situation in the first episode is going to be about negotiating a debit agreement or a credit agreement. So it's an agreement for a loan. Whether you're a borrower or a lender, you have to negotiate a lot of different aspects of this type of contract, including the definitions. The definition of what is that, what is a beta, what are the covenants, including the coverage ratios, the representations, and a whole lot of stuff. So that's the topic of the first episode, both from the point of view of the borrower or the lender, or even a credit investor who may be buying a debt asset from another investor. But that's pretty much the topic. The topic of the second episode is a trader negotiating their bonus, or compensation in general, cold hard cash. You work for a hedge fund or the trading desk of a bank, whatever, and you're trying to maximize your bonus. Or maybe you're the fund manager on the other side of the table trying to minimize the bonus that you're trying to pay. 
Situation number three is regulator negotiations. So let's say that you're a bank or any other type of financial institution and you broke compliance in some area. Unwillingly, of course. So maybe you didn't properly estimate the regulatory capital calculations. Maybe you didn't enforce anti-money laundering controls with the precision that you needed to, and so on. And now you're negotiating with the regulator the type of sanction or penalty that you're going to get. Or again, maybe you're on the other side of the table as the regulator trying to get the institution to accept these sanctions as smoothly as possible. Situation number four for episode number four is institutional sales or partnership agreements. Let's say that you're a fund manager, probably of some sort of alternative asset fund, a hedge fund, a private equity fund, credit fund, be it what may. And you're trying to either close an allocator or you've already closed them and you're now negotiating the partnership agreement. For example, an LPA. In your negotiating terms, such as the fees, management fee, performance fee, co-investment fees, maybe investment restrictions, lockup periods, or even bespoke terms from side letters like most favored nations clauses. And finally, scenario number five for the last episode is pitching a retail product to a client. For example, you're a private banker who is trying to close a client for a wealth management service or a wealth advisory service, or you're just a bank teller trying to pitch an individual loan or deposit product to a client. So these are the five situations that we're going to cover in these five episodes. And now we are also going to have five persuasion tools or negotiation tools or sales tools. They can be used for a lot of different purposes. And again, we're going to build up. So in the first episode, we'll have one tool and one situation. In episode two, we'll have the two techniques used for the two different situations. So as you see, these episodes are going to get a little bit longer, up to episode five. But anyways, first technique. The first technique is called implementation intention, and it's a true persuasion super weapon. What it means is that when you make someone picture the details, the how of doing something, they're more likely to do it. For example, instead of asking, would you buy, yes or no, asking, what would it take for you to buy? Or how would you buy? It makes the other side focus on how they would do it, and they illustrate it in their mind. And therefore, they're more likely to do it. Then, second technique. It's a technique for framing in specific, to seem like more of an authority and seem more persuasive to have a stronger positioning. And it's going to be a specific mnemonic, which is the mnemonic of being the first, the best, or the only. If you can find a way to position yourself as being the first at something, the best at something, or the only at something, you'll be a lot more persuasive. Or if not the first, at least one of the first, or one of the best, or one of the only. That's still powerful. One of the first funds in a space, one of the best traders in a department, one of the only private lenders, and so on. Technique number three is a technique that I call up answers. And these are a persuasion cocktail of two techniques. So up is an acronym where the letter U stands for uncertainty and the letter P stands for potential. So uncertainty is all about sounding uncertain at the beginning so that you can sound more certain later on. You say something like, hey, I'm not sure about the general client, but for you in specific, I'm really sure about this. 
it almost creates like a snapback effect. The letter P stands for potential, and it's all about anchoring to the best case scenario, saying something like, hey, I could possibly generate 20% returns monthly for your fund. You're not talking about what actually happens, you're talking about the best case scenario. So you mash them together, and you end up with something like, for example, promoting yourself as a trader, saying, hey, dear fund manager, John, whoever it is, I'm not sure about the general fund, but for this fund in specific, I'm sure that I have the potential to generate over 20% returns consistently month over month. It's a persuasion cocktail of these two, uncertainty and potential. Then, technique number four, and this is what I call the influence archetypes. What happens is that every person is one of four different archetypes. So they're a combination of two axes, right? Imagine this in your mind. One axis is fast versus slow. The other axis is emotional versus logical. So you have four specific combinations. Either you're logical and fast, logical and slow, emotional and fast, or emotional and slow. But the key here is that each of these combinations has a specific name and specific communication that is appealing to them. For example, if you are fast and emotional, I call that type of person a passionate. And the passionate is the type of people that reacts to language that respects their vision, how they may be an inspiration to others, a reference, a visionary, partying, celebrating, and so on. They're fast and they're emotional. On the other hand, someone who is slow and logical, for example, is who I call an analyst. And these only focus on the facts, the proven processes, and the reputation. And above everything else, preparation. So what I mean is, if you can find out which one of the four types the other side is, you can speak their language and you can persuade them a lot more easily. Technique number five is what I call streamlining, which I also call, in a more technical name, perceived effort manipulation. So what happens is that science tells us, and specifically in a great book called The Effortless Experience, that two-thirds of the effort that we put into something is perceived effort, 66%. And only one-third is actual effort. In other words, when you think that something is a lot of effort, it is. And when you think that it isn't, well, then it isn't. So what you do is, you can use words and expressions that make something seem like less effort. And therefore, it becomes easier to adopt. You see this all the time in software. Two easy steps. Instant access. Sign up immediately. It's quick and simple. And you can do the same. You can say, for example, we package sophisticated investment strategies into a simple, unique single product that generates one simple report per month. Subscribing is easy and immediate. That's an example. So, all of this to say that if you stick with me for the five episodes of this season, you are going to learn how to use these five distinct techniques with great efficiency for these five distinct situations. And I recommend that you watch the episodes in order because we'll introduce a new technique in each episode, but we're going to review the previous ones for the new situation. So it's not necessary, but it is recommended because you know stuff as it's introduced. So that's the description of this first season of Persuasion in High Finance. And before I leave you, let me just plug myself again very quickly. You can find video courses by me for almost every single topic that we cover on a given episode. Just go to the episode description and check out the links for the courses.
And also, if you're looking for an actual executive coach or executive trainer, find my booking page at coachingbooking.com. Not only does it have my calendar, but it has testimonials from a lot of happy executives from some pretty big organizations. Thank you so much for listening and see you next episode or hear you next episode.